guest today is Keith Poulter, editor of North and South Magazine. But in a moment, we'll ask him not about America's Civil War, but about England's and its comparisons here on Civil War Talk Radio. Have you let your website go stale? Wish you didn't have to wait for your web developer to return your call when you want to update content? You don't have to. Now you can easily and instantly manage your own website content using affordable Avalar technology. Avalar is a website development and hosting company that provides turnkey internet solutions for companies like yours that need to stay focused on core business. Avalar gives you the power to control your website and make updates and additions in real time without having to learn HTML or other complicated programming tools. Websites powered by Avalar feature capabilities that attract more customers and enhance relationships with existing customers. Avalar offers a multitude of leading-edge solutions, including lead generation and referral tracking, shopping carts and payment processing, membership management, and search engine optimization, to name a few. Take advantage of the full power of the Internet using Avalar technology at www.avalar.com. That's A-V-A-L-A-R.com. Vitality is a natural expression of health, success, and fulfillment, and yet it's rare to meet people bubbling with vitality. That's because most of us push ourselves too hard, and when we trigger the internal alarms that tell us to change our diets, attitudes, or activities, we ignore them. Allowing outside pressures to override our internal alarms undermines our health, sabotages our success, and limits our potential. If you're ready to reclaim your natural vitality, to begin living a life you love, visit thevitalyou.com. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. To speak with our show hosts or guests during the live show, call us toll-free in North America, 888-514-2100. Everywhere else, call 001-858-268-3068. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Talking today with Keith Poulter, the founding publisher, editor of North and South Magazine. Keith, I received an email not too long ago from uh, uh, Mr. Fox in London, uh, listening to the worldwide miracle of the Internet, who says this about uh, Civil War reenactors. On the note of reenactment, it is popular here with our own Civil War. It is more removed chronologically than your conflict, and in the right context, I live near Corf Castle, a great backdrop. It can be impressive, and I'm sure a good piece of education for children on what is otherwise a pile of ruins. I don't partake myself, but they certainly do not seem to share the reputation that seems to cling to your reenactors. Goodness, we have Morris dancers. Reenactment pales by comparison. Keith, I wonder if you have any thoughts about that. Uh, there, there's a lot of things there, the English Civil War, the reenactment phenomenon, or Morris dancers. I'm not sure entirely what he means by the reputation of American reenactors. Um, well, I, we had talked in an earlier show of uh, the tendency, perhaps, of reenactors to to become in, involved in minutia of the war to the exclusion of uh, larger political and social questions. Ah, yes, I, I, I imagine that's true of reenactors of the English Civil War or uh, Wars of the Roman Empire or Napoleonic Wars or whatever. I mean, you know, they're, they're extremely interested in the, the minutiae of the, the uniforms and the weapons and so forth. Um, 
very, very rude things are said about reenactors sometimes, um, and I think generally unfairly. Uh, I was told that there was no point, for example, in advertising North and South to reenactors because reenactors can't read. Oh, well, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, but far from that. We've had one or two, uh, in fact, one or two of our authors. Um, and uh, an author of an upcoming art, a couple of articles actually in, um, in Military Chronicles are reenactors as well as being academics. Um, so yeah, I, I think there's a lot of uh, characterization which is somewhat unfair. Is uh, do you have any particular thoughts on, on uh, the English Civil War as a comparison to the American Civil War? We have we have an article, as a matter of fact, by Jeremy Black, uh, professor of history at Exeter University, in London, my, my alma mater, uh, not in London, in England, um, in the first issue of Military Chronicles, comparing the American Revolution, the uh, English Civil War, and the American Civil War. Uh, interesting article. Um, but I know a good deal more about American history than I do English history. Uh, you, men uh, you mentioned an uh, item about citizenship, and I wanted yes. to query you on that. Oh, yeah, I finally got around, having filled up the form wrongly twice, uh, I'm, I'm a dreadful bureaucrat, um, I finally got around to um, applying for U.S. citizenship, this is about three years ago now, and the fellow who interviewed me was himself a Chinese immigrant, a uh, member of the INS, and halfway through the interview he said to me, Ah, oh, uh, your English is uh, very good. And I very nearly said, well, you know, yours isn't bad. But I thought, no, don't do it. <laughs> There's probably some small print about not letting assholes in, you know, smart asses. <laughs> probably a good idea to uh, not, not to have said that. When people have, uh, have, have the authority there, I'll tell you the uh, story sometime when we have leisure. The last time I drove into Canada across what was once the longest undefended border in the world, mm -hmm. And my uh, then nine-year-old daughter decided it was the right time to pretend she wasn't our child. Uh, ah. But that's another story for another day. Yes. Uh, well, I, I have, uh, uh, as I said, I, I, I have problems with authority. Not, not authority as such, perhaps, but um, problems with, uh, I, I, well, put it this way, I don't suffer fools gladly. Um, there was an occasion when I applied for a job in a technical college in England um, and I did so by phone nothing happened uh, so I called again nothing happened um, and finally uh, I called a third time and I got a letter back along with the application form for this job from the principal of this technical college saying he thought it was extremely rude of me to, to uh, um, contact them by telephone I should have sent a letter so I, I sent a letter back with my job application which said, you know, I, I wish to apologize. I certainly had not meant to be discourteous. It, it merely occurred to me, or I assumed that as principal of a technical college, he would have been familiar with Graham Alexander Bell's recent technological innovations. <laughs> um, guess which job I didn't get. You're not working today, that's right. <laughs> you were... When we were talking about military chronicles, um, yeah. you, you, you were asking about you know, future projects and so on. Um, one of these days, uh, when I'm finished with, with magazines, uh, I intend to write a regimental history of the 2nd Illinois Cavalry. Um, extremely good uh, 
cavalry regiment served out west, not involved in any big battles. No one one company was in the Vicksburg campaign, but um, have have researched that over off and on over a period of about fifteen years. Um, Why that particular regiment? Um, the first. No, actually, the second book. The second book I ever read, the first book I ever read on the Civil War was Bruce Catton's um, Grant Tate's Command. I read that in England uh, 23 years ago, and I, I enjoyed it very much. Um, the first thing I did when I came to the States in 83 was to read the previous volume, um, Grant Moves South, and that, that that's what did it for me in terms of the Civil War. I mean, I've now got about a library of about 4,000 Civil War books, a um, couple of hundred um, uh, tapes, filing cabinets full of research. Um, so, and it was Catton that, that did it for me, like he's, it, he did it for millions of other people. Um, and uh, the central part, obviously, of one of those books was, was Grant's Vicksburg campaign. And I initially wanted to write a, a novel about the Vicksburg campaign. And... Uh, as I mentioned, one company of the Second Illinois was involved, uh, so I, I wanted to do an Illinois regiment because of the Grant connection, and there it was. Um, now I've, I've I've actually got on the back burner um, a series of sixteen novels, uh, twelve of which are set during the Civil War and four after the war, um, and the Second Illinois Cavalry plays a, a central part in in certainly in the wartime ones. Um, but again, that's got to wait until I'm no longer publishing or editing magazines. Um, I aim for the books to come out during the 150th anniversary of the Civil War between 2011 and 2015, for, for obvious reasons. And they, they follow the, um, the history of a fictitious character called Josiah K. Brubaker. The K is for Keith. I couldn't, couldn't resist that. Uh. Um, and he uh, he joins the cavalry in the uh, early days of the war, goes all through the war from from trooper to um, breveted brigadier general at the end of the war, which one or two people in fact did. Um, and then there's there's a, uh, the thirteenth novel is set in 1865 in um, uh, in uh, Mississippi. And uh, the next one is set in 1877-76 in Mississippi. And they're, they're, they're both to do with, um, obviously, post-post-war events, Reconstruction. Um, there's one in 1905 in New York, which is actually a murder mystery, um, where Brubaker attends this, um, uh, this reunion uh, of a New York regiment and uh, one of the veterans murders another. And I just thought that would be a, a very interesting, different you know, time to look at and, and so forth. And the very last one is set in modern-day Mississippi. Um, now, 12 of, those, 12 of those novels are pretty thoroughly researched uh, and plotted out. Um, and as I say, as soon as, as soon as I'm no longer so heavily involved with magazines, I'm looking forward very much to... Uh, actually to writing them. If, if any of the listeners are familiar with C.S. Forrester's Hornblower books, I'm sure N- many, Nelson's many are, Navy, yes, of course. Um, these are intended, um, I should be aware of hubris here, because I think C.S. Forrester was a great writer, um, but they're intended to be a kind of um, Civil War equivalent of those books. 
Now, make no small plans. Uh, this is true. Good, uh, uh, it's an ambitious project, mm -hmm. uh, but it, it sounds like it will be very interesting to read, and, and based on thorough research, at least in the, the Illinois, Second Illinois Cavalry's wartime years. Well, virtually all of the other characters in the books are taken from history. Um, I'll give you a, um, an example. I know mm -hmm. we don't have much time here, but I'll give you a quick example of, of how the, the fiction and the fact are integrated. Um, the, the fictitious character, Brubaker, has been sent south before the Battle of Shiloh uh, to um, uh, see what he can find out about Confederate plans. And he fails to get back in time. And he's not Superman. He's not Errol Flynn. Um, he fails to get back in time to warn Grant about uh, the impending attack by, by Johnston. Um, but he gets back late evening of the, uh, after the first day fighting at Shiloh. And he reports to Grant and basically tells Grant that, you know, no, the Confederates have shot their bolt. That, that's all they have. They don't have any, any additional troops that they can throw in. And at that moment, Sherman comes up to Grant, as he did historically, mm -hmm. and, and sort of says, you know, well, that was pretty grim, wasn't it, you know, the first day. And Grant looks at him, having just re received the report from Brubaker, and says, yes, whip them tomorrow, though. Uh, you know, the, the very like good. Say, fact and fiction kind of working together. Right. Every, every student of Shiloh will recognize the vignette of Sherman and Grant, and you're just inserting uh, uh, your character in uh, to help explain Grant's confidence at that moment. Exactly. Well, this it, it's very promising, and I think people look forward to that. We've talked uh, in the past uh, with Jeff Shara on the, on the program and, and discussed the uh, the uses of fiction and history. Uh, Catherine Clinton has also talked with us about this kind of uh, uh, treating history in, in different ways, approaching different audiences. And it seems to me there, there are many ways one can reach an audience and many styles and techniques. Narrative has certainly come back into fashion for historians in the last 10, 20 years. So uh, historical fiction has its place uh, for conveying some very interesting things about the past. It would be interesting to see your books. Yeah, uh, hopefully it... it it is a way in which you can get inside the mind of of a character or, or more than one character from that era. Uh, the, the the problem with or the problem with straight history uh, is that very often we we don't know what the character was thinking or feeling at that time. We know what they did. We know what, maybe what they said, but we you know we cannot legitimately as historians extrapolate from that very far as to just what they were thinking or why they were thinking it or or what their emotions were at the time. You can do that with fiction. That's right, and that, and there's always debate then how legitimate the speculations are, how far they can be carried. But uh, that kind of speculation, I think, is part of the historical process. Yes. Well, I can tell from the background music, we've gone through another hour flying past on Civil War Talk Radio. Our guest today has been Keith Poulter, the founder of North and South Magazine, uh, its editor emeritus, and now the editor of Military Chronicles, available in major bookstores all over that extends the North and South philosophy to military history in general. And if it lives up to its predecessor, it will be very worthwhile indeed. Keith, thanks for being with us today. Jerry, I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. I, I can hardly believe an hour could go by so quickly. 
Uh, it, it always does, at least from my end. Uh, thanks again for being here, and thanks to everyone for listening to Civil War Talk Radio.